Good evening. It's Victoria with Dream Dogs. And uh, what we do is we talk service dogs, service dogs in training, pet dogs, and more. Uh, and we do it every week on Tuesday night. And that's the ding saying that we're live on Facebook on our Dream Dog Central Florida Dog Training Facebook page. Uh, and then what we do is we upload it. Well, we download it. We upload it onto both YouTube and onto our podcast. So our podcast is called How to Train Your Service Dog. And it's a pretty neat place. It's a pretty neat thing to be um, and to do. So uh, subscribe to it. What's a podcast, you ask? A podcast is a pretty neat thing. Um, it is uh, an app on your phone. If you've got any sort of smartphone, you're going to have this podcast app. Um, or you can download them. Uh, and, and you search up and you put things down that interest you. And then whenever you're driving or you're doing stuff, instead of having to listen to the radio with all the commercials, you can listen to your learned stuff. Uh, but it's fun and uh, the people that you listen to become your friends as well. So that's always good. So hello, guys. And so today we're going to talk a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and, uh, and a little bit more. So... Uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to add them in the comments. If you're listening to this live, um, if you're not listening to it live, I'm sorry, listen to me live. Or you can message me with comments, um, questions, concerns, and uh, we try to, to address that as well. And uh, riding on the tail code, so what we were, talked about last week whenever uh, Karen was here with us is, you know, where to find a service dog candidate. Uh, we had talked about that. And I had said that one of the things that you really have to be cautious about is getting your service dog candidate from a rescue or a shelter. And you really, guys, I've got so many phone calls, emails, inquiries this past week from people that, holy cow, stop. Like, stop with these aggressive dogs that you don't know what to do with, and so you take them to the shelter. It is your responsibility to do the best you can with an aggressive dog. And if that includes being putting them to sleep, then I'm going to say it, put them to sleep. If he is not safe to be trusted out in the world, why do you have this dog? For example, I get an email a few days ago. I posted about it. So if you read back on our Dream Dogs feed, you can see it and see my response to it. Well, you can't see the, the email, but it was a, a generic spam slammed email to a variety of sources saying, my friend adopted, rescued a dog over a year ago, and the dog is human aggressive. Um, and has nipped at three people, but hasn't broke skin. And I'm like, mm -hmm. and it, the dog's so sweet. The dog's just so sweet. Well, you know what, guys? Sweet dogs don't bite people. All right? Breaking skin or not, sweet dogs don't bite people. So this whole, my dog's so sweet. Please save this dog. It's not my dog. He's a friend's dog, but please save him because he's so sweet. Sweet dogs don't bite people. Remember that. And, uh, and so basically what they were looking for, oh, the dog does great with other dogs, just not with people who, you know, he wants to bite. But he's so sweet. Will you take him, train him, and possibly find him a new home, or he can live with you forever? Oh, and we're not paying anything for it. No, this is my business. I'm not taking in another dog. If I take in another dog, sure, is shooting. It is not going to be an aggressive dog. That is way too high liability for the number of people that, that we interact with, the events that we do, the things that we do. I cannot have an aggressive dog, right? Um, Jedi was a little bit of a snark to adrenalize dogs. And that was a lifetime of management. And that's what it always is with any sort of aggression in your dogs. And sometimes the management is just like, I just remember to watch them. And I don't forget it. Sometimes it's, if you're going to have people come over, you have to build a pen in your yard that your dog cannot escape from and keep your dog in that pen. 
It all depends on that dog, depends on the issues. I've had people call me, and this always happens after a holiday weekend, of course, because you get together with family, you get together with friends, and you're like, what the heck do you do now? So I've had it where, you know, all oh, the dog, my dog who I've taken to all these different places is now going after my granddaughter or my cousin or, you know, whoever. What should I do? What, what do you want to do? Well, I'd hate to have to get rid of them. Are you going to take them? No, I, I don't want your dog. I don't want your responsibility, your problem. If you want to work with your dog, that's fine. Just understand there is no magic wand that we wave a la Kazam and the dog is fixed. There is no fixing like that. It is going to be a lifetime of management to some degree. Okay. And this is where rehab projects should not be service dogs because they have been so shaped and influenced by previous behaviors. If you've read the book, The Talent Code, which we had to read for the Nipopo Gold School, one of the things it said was about myelin. And what myelin does is, is basically um, it creates that muscle memory. So you know how the first time you do something, anything, the very first time you're going to do it, say, okay, I'm right-handed. Say I want to learn to write with my left hand. So just holding the pen in my left hand, it feels weird, right? Well, the more I hold it, the more myelin is going to be wrapped, the more this becomes muscle memory. And then say, I'm going to start with practicing my ABCs and one, two, threes. So I'm going to start drawing it and it's going to feel really weird that first time. But the more I draw it, the more I do it, the more myelin gets wrapped, the more this becomes, you know, just, okay, this is what I can do with my left hand. Now, I was ambidextrous younger and I switched to, no, Rich was, and he switched to his left. He just did his left. Luke was and switched to his right because I'm right-handed, Rich is left-handed. And we know how hard it is and how societies for people. And if you're like, that's stupid. Apparently you've never had to use scissors because he will give me scissors like, these scissors don't work and it works. It just doesn't work for a left-handed person. So we wanted Luke to be right-handed. But if we encourage both, they're both going to stay probably equally strong. By encouraging just the one, we got that to be super strong. Okay. And you're like, what the heck? I thought we we're talking about aggression. Now you're talking about being a left-handed. What? So the more you do things, the more myelin gets wrapped. Now you cannot unwrap myelin. Okay. Um, you cannot unwrap myelin. You can only rewrap other myelin stronger. So I cannot forget how to be right-handed. Okay. If I work with my left hand, I can get really strong left-handed, but I'm not going to forget how to do, that's why once you learn to ride a bike, you always know how to ride a bike. You know, once you learn to drive a car, you get behind the, the, the steering wheel and you, you know what to do. Um, for example, I started lettering a few months. I've been doing watercoloring and they come out with this lettering and I'm like, well, it'd be nice to be able to write pretty. I don't write pretty with big things. Like my handwriting's nice for normal things, but big things it's not. So I'm like, Let, let's do some lettering. And in the beginning, it was terrible. Well, the more I do it, the more myelin gets wrapped. And the better it is, the better it looks, the better it becomes. So great, right? That's fantastic. Well, the same thing is true with aggression. I cannot unwrap the myelin from the dog. I can only rewrap. And so can you. You can only rewrap new myelins, okay? And, uh, and what that means is I can't, the more times the dog has to practice being aggressive, right? The more that is going to become second nature ingrained in muscle memory. Okay. So you don't want that to happen at all to your dog. Um, so that's where if you call me whenever your dog snarks off the first time and we can correct it, 
you're going to have a much better chance than, you know, my dog's bitten four people and put two of them in the hospital. Now, here's the next thing. And I've talked about this before. Uh, aggression has a huge genetic component. I'm going to say it again because it's something that people don't understand. Aggression is based on genetics. Just like Gypsy is the cutest puppy in the world because she's a golden and she has awesome genetics. The, um, the dog, the genetics dictate temperament to a degree. You can shape things, but we've had four month old puppies come in who are already biting people at four months old. We had, I remember at least two of them that came in last year. And one of them was another Malinois, and he came in at four months old to five months old, which is the age that Django is now. Django is 19 weeks, because uh, that's, I know because I keep track on these webinars on how many weeks old he is. So he is like four months old, four and a half months old. And this Malinois puppy came in last, last year or the year before, and he was already aggressive at that age. He was already not Malinois aggressive, and his owners were... I don't want to say clueless, but they were clueless about it. They have another, they had another Malinois who would come to work with them. They drove truck and it was fine. And they didn't have a problem with, with the, the older one. Well, a lot of people have Malinois who aren't Malinois or German shepherds, which it's fine. Like, I don't care. Call your dog, you know, tell my, tell me your dog's parakeet, like whatever floats your boat. But the difference is this Malinois needed a job and needed five jobs. And his job could not be, I'm sitting in a truck for 12 hours a day. It can't be. He would go crazy. So, you know, he came in and he did boot camp with us. Um, you know, we had another one who was a rescue dog and uh, and by four months old had already bitten numerous people, came to us, I want to say around eight months old. Um, we did training and by then had already bitten more people. And whenever they contacted, when they came out for the eval, we talked about it. I gave them the, the hard truth about it that, you know, there's no magic fix. There's going to be a lifetime of management. Um, you know, they did have kids. <clears throat> So one of the things was, you know, why don't you contact the rescue and see what they have to say? They contacted the rescue. Uh, turns out where they had pulled the dogs from. Because she's like, we don't have, like, the dogs we adopted are not aggressive. Um, whenever he said, well, this was the litter from this place. And they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, the one of the other puppies was back for aggression as well. Like, because they have that genetic component to them. Uh, you know, it, it's huge for genetics. Uh, that's where, too, why I tell people that don't get a Malinois your service dog. Well, you did. I'm a professional dog trainer. So is my husband and my son is following in our footsteps. You know, like, I know what I'm doing with them. Um, and if it turns out he doesn't work out as a service dog, I'm fine going into protection training with him. Like, I'd be fine with that because it does give that sense of security. Uh, you know, but I'd like him as a service dog because he's going to be enormous. You know, Shane says, my dog identifies as a dragon. And if you remember her dog was little Raleigh, who was in, in January and February, little tiniest little toy Aussie, like seven pounds. And she totally identifies as a dragon, a fire breathing dragon at that. Um, but, you know, you need to understand this. So the phone call I got yesterday, um, it was one, I don't like to do human aggression, especially human aggression in boot camp. So my preference is human aggression. If your dog is human aggressive, that's fine. That's not a problem. Understand that there's a genetic component involved. Okay. It's not just because he was abused whenever he was a, a baby, you know, abused as a puppy. That's not the case. That's not why a dog's fearful. That's not why a dog is aggressive half the time. And why do I say that is because there are not that many nasty people in the world to make all these dogs 
aggressive because of abuse. There's not that many people abusing dogs, guys. You, you know, and just because the dog didn't get to eat caviar out of like the cat in the Fancy Feast commercial, you know, it doesn't mean he was abused. Um, it, it's a strong genetic component. Here, Cara says her dog identifies as a cat and she sits in her box. <laughs> uh, we always joked that Era was a dragon and um, Gypsy's just Foxy. So, um, so, so there is this, like I said, this huge genetic component and we have to honor that and understand that. It doesn't mean that dictates, oh, wow, like, but it means that you have to be better than because of that. Um, and if you unwrap the myelin, you can't unwrap it. If you want to unwrap it, you can't. You just, you can't do it. You have to, what do you have to do? You have to rewrap other things more, which means you have to do more training. You have to put more effort into it. And it's hard because, you know, we're busy. And this is one sales thing I noticed. Um, a lot of people with just different things they're doing, they're like, well, I know you're so busy. But everybody is. Everybody is so busy. There's rarely do I talk to people who are like, I'm so bored all the time. I have nothing to do. Okay, I'll give you something to do. Like, they'll find things to do. Um, my cat identifies as a dog. We had a main kin, Shira, and same thing, identified as a dog. Um, uh, Jenga, or no, Jenga, Ninja, our, our um, black cat right now, he kind of identifies as a dog. Uh, we were just doing training, and he was in, in the room helping us. And then he wanted his treat for training. And Carolyn says, Romeo is a perfect example of being unable to change genetics. Yeah, so I'm going to tell a little bit about Romeo. He came in last summer for boot camp and to see if he had what it takes to be a service dog. And he was nervous and fearful. Uh, you know, we worked with him. He would have worked possibly as a backup for very short outings um, because um, she had a boxer at the time. But then the boxer unexpectedly died. So he was with us, I want to say, July to August. September is whenever her boxer died. And so she's the one, actually, Carolyn's the one who has Roma. Because then she was looking, because then she stuck without a service dog. And I know how that is. And at the time, we had Arrow and Gypsy and Roma. And she was looking for a standard poodle, preferably around six months old with some training. And I'm like, I have a standard poodle around six months old with some training. Um, but, you know, you can't go back and change those genetics. Um, I can't go and make myself short as a midget. You know, I'm over six foot tall. I'm not going to do that. There's genetics. Now, that doesn't mean... Oh, well, you know, it's just if I wanted to be a jockey, like I would have to work really hard at it, right? Because someone else is going to have a huge advantage. But basketball, like that kind of works, uh, you know, and that's I got rooted into basketball at a young age. And that's what screwed up my knee. <laughs> so, you know, there's always fun stuff. Um, she also says we watch Kayla for public access because she hates it. It scares her. and Nothing has helped. Yeah. So. Uh, and that's that's one thing like Rue, we he's not a service dog because he doesn't like it. He would much rather be home at the ranch chasing cows. And, you know, he would make an amazing he has all the training for it. He would make an amazing service dog for an autistic kid. Absolutely amazing. He loves to give hugs, kisses. He loves to go up on the lap like he would be amazing if they have cows and they don't leave the farm all that much. You know, um, but you do you have to honor the dog. And that's Gypsy loves everything. She's, she's a very sweet dog. Um, we're hoping Django stays that way. So when people come out, <coughs> they, they get to go and greet him uh, because he likes it. And I want to encourage that. So there's different switches you can flip. So say he never gets to meet people, right? He might become like another Malinois who sees people and is like, whatever. Or he sees people and he's like, I bite you now. And, and we don't want that at all. 
Um, so she just says, Kayla's amazing at home. So you can do an in-home service dog. And that's great. You can totally have an in-home service dog. There's not a problem with that because they have to love it. They have to not only love it, they have to be passionate about it. Like, for example, Luke just realized he turns 18 in a month. And I said, it's not a big deal. I don't kick you out of the house when you turn 18. That's not what we do. But think of what you want to do. And one of the nice things is he can always fall back on dog training. He has been dog training since he was like three years old with us. Um, you know, doing something, even if it's when I click, you give the dog a treat or toss a treat on the floor. Um, we'd go to dog parks with Boo because she needed to run because she was my husky. So we'd go to dog parks with Boo and um, and he would sit on the, on the bench beside me and not move because he knew even at that age, I would go to my first private clients. Rich was working in engineering. And if they wanted it while he was at work, I can do it, but is it okay if my son comes with us? And he would sit at the table. He would sit on the stairs of their house. You know, he would draw, he would collar, he would play Hot Wheels, but he would come with me. So he has been dog training longer than most professional dog trainers. Now he's hit an 18 and he's come with us the last five IACP conferences that we've gone to, which is our annual dog conference every year in September. And I would love, love, love it if he would follow in his family's footsteps here uh, and do dog training. Well, his passion right now is art, but he's also 18 and his passion changes daily. His passion is art. I'm like, that's fantastic. I love that he loves this anime. Uh, you know, he was talking before about going to uh, college in Japan for anime. And I'm like, learn as much as you can, but you need to make an income while you do it. And you can do that through the dog training. So, But I can't ignite that passion in him. He has to do it on his own. And the same thing is true with the dogs. I mean, I can modify the situation to a degree, but I need them to want to do it, to make it happen for the best. And, you know, I could probably play with my Skinner box here with him and get him doing really good um, because I'd love it. Like I said, I just, I'd absolutely love it if he would become a dog trainer full time. He's great with them. Um, and he's better with dogs than with people because people can annoy him, which is why he does homeschool. Uh, here Michelle says, they are dogs, not humans. So if you don't treat them like a dog, they become nervous and aggressive. Yep, they can be. And, and I've had people who, whenever I talk to them, they make all these excuses for, you know, their dog's behavior. And like I said, I, I, I want to understand why the dog does something, but I don't want to use it as an excuse for the future. So we can understand why without making an excuse. For example, my German Shepherd Jedi did not like um, crazy dogs coming up. That doesn't excuse the fact that she doesn't like crazy dogs coming up, you know, like, but I can understand why and work with that. Okay. Uh, do, 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 do. Melissa says my service dog in training is a 16 week lab puppy. It well here I'll put this up for everybody to read. At 12 weeks old, I broke my foot and got I got lazy and began putting him out with my Doberman to pee instead of. She's an alert barker on steroids, and he began picking up bad habits. I quickly realized when we went out for a quick outing, and he showed fear barking and darting behind me. I've since begun taking him on the outings, but informing everyone he's in training and to ignore him. I already see an improvement, but is there anything else I can do to help fix my mistake? Um, so with that, one of the things I do caution people, if you bring a new puppy into your home, is that the puppy is going to pick up the habits from the resident dogs. For example, Rue can be a little bit of a, a snark. He is dog selective, which means Rue doesn't always like to have... Um, he doesn't like to play with other dogs. He liked Arrow, and that was about it. I mean, he tolerates my dogs, but we're bringing um, Gypsy in, bringing Roma in, bringing um, Django in now. 
He doesn't like them as puppies. They're annoying. I don't feed him with the other. I can feed uh, Gypsy and Zoe and Django all in the office together. Rue is fed back in the bedroom because I know that that's an issue and he can get a little bit growly snarky. I don't want Django to have an issue with that in the future, so I don't make it an issue now. Rue just gets fed back here. Rue usually hangs out in the bedroom most of the day anyway, so he's back here, and he just gets fed back here. Um, you know, I wish he'd come out in the house more, but he doesn't, so I'm not going to yell at him about it. He hurts the cows, and he has his job for that. Uh, so other things that you can do is he's probably going through a fear period around four months old-ish. They usually do go through a fear period. Uh, if he is fear barking and darting behind you, I would ask what training equipment you're using with him. Are you using food on on awnings? Is he working for all of his food? Because that's going to be a big one as well. He would not eat unless he worked for it. And it could be something as easy as sit or look or touch, or it could be here we are on an outing and you will eat here. If the dog is too stressed, they won't eat. Okay. Uh, if the dog will eat, then you know they're not as stressed as what they could be, which is always good. Um, and yeah, exactly. Telling people he's in training to ignore him. I usually, I do vest up my puppies whenever I take them out. They do have a service dog in training. It's like an apron on their back. It's made by Patience and Love. If you search up guide dog vest on their Etsy page, Patience and Love, you can see it. And then whenever I have her make it, I just ask her to switch it out instead of guide dog and training. It just says service dog and training. And it's nice because it's big lettering. And if people start to come up to us, I'm going to take this off now so you can see what I do. If people start to come up to us, oh, hi. I put my hand up. No, stop. He's in training. I do not allow people unless I okay it. So maybe on one outing, I might have one or two people, might have one or two people who come up and will greet the dogs. I don't want them greeting everybody that they see. I just had a question tonight um, with a service dog client. Would the dog, um, could he be a service dog and a therapy dog? Not in the beginning. Give him at least two years of solid service dog work before you introduce the idea of therapy dog because I want him to know his job really well. Okay. Um, so you can do it, um, but you don't want them to get distracted. You want to set everybody up for success. So for everything that you do, ask yourself, how can I set this dog, this situation up for success? If something fails, what can I do about that? Is it worth the risk? So, okay, I want to take my puppy to Universal for the first time. Um, what's the worst that can happen? I get there and he's an absolute idiot. What can I do about that? I will turn around and come home. Um, what if I go there and he's great and then we're farthest back from the park and he's an absolute idiot? Well, I won't get far back in the park. I'll stay towards the entrance. Okay. Um, I get there and he poops. Well, I'll have cleanup bags. Um, I get there and he does great. Well, great. Then we can stay there. But I am ready to leave at a moment's notice because I have annual passes and I can do that. Um, you know, so you have a backup plan. You have to ask yourself, is this risk an acceptable risk to take? You know, is it acceptable for me to take this dog here in this situation? And what happens if something goes wrong? What What am I going to do about it? Well, if I'm going to go because I just spent, you know, $120 on a ticket to get into the park for the day. <coughs> and it's my service dog's first time there. And I don't know how he's going to be. I'm on 120 bucks if my dog screws it up. So what can I do before that? I can do uh, Universal City Walk. I can do Disney Springs, which used to be downtown Disney. 
Um, I can do maybe a cheaper place or a place that's on sale and see how he does. I can maybe meet a friend and if they need to take my dog home, they can take my dog home with them. So that's what we'll do with clients if they come from out of town and they wanna do the parks with their dog, with their service dog, is I will either meet them there or I will take the dog home with me to the ranch here or I will do both. You know, they're not gonna have the dog for the full day because the dog can't handle it. It takes a while before a dog can handle all that, especially in Florida with the fun, fun heat that we have. Uh, Larissa asks, can you explain what a fear period or stage is? I keep hearing about it yet I cannot find anything Finn is afraid of. Well, that's awesome. Um, and some dogs go through it and some dogs don't. And some dogs go through it and it's terrible and some dogs go through it and like you don't even notice. So what a fear period is, is something that he wasn't formally afraid of, he is now right? Well, that helps. But uh, usually the first one's between like eight and 12 weeks old, depending, could be a little more, could be a little less. But if suddenly your dog's suddenly randomly afraid of something, it's because of that. Sorry about that. It's because of how they grow, how they learn, how they do. Uh, so yeah, if, if, if you haven't found anything he's afraid of, that's awesome. If say he's doing great around all these distractions, one day he's like, wait a minute here, that might be don't say, oh, he's in a fear period. Oh, I can't do anything. Well, that's not what we do. And then there's a fear period that comes. Um, we take it. We just slow it down a little bit to show him that it's all good. Hi, Pam. Um, but yeah, so that that's a fear period. I mean, you can Google too. They have better, like, these are the times that it happens. Uh, just it's sad because, like, when the puppies go home at eight weeks old, usually I think, like, ten weeks old is whenever one starts. So you don't have too much time. Hi, Michelle. Um, before you know, before one starts and you want to watch what you do. So if your dog's in a fear period, you're not going to take much to go see fireworks, right? Because that wouldn't be good. Um, it wouldn't be good at all. Don't do that. Uh, but yeah, so, so you want to select your dog for success. I talked to somebody else and they were looking, uh, asking about different dogs, different breeds, what would be good for a service dog. And you guys know my favorites, goldens, yellow or black labs and standard poodles. But that's not any of them. I've also had people who go out and they buy the first golden that they see. And they're like, well, you said goldens. It's not any golden, guys. Not any lap. It's not any poodle. It is, those are the breeds. Then you have to look at the breeders. You have to look at the dogs, the parents, the, the puppies, and see which dog is going to be the best for you. So we use the Volhard temperament test. Um, we'll use the temperament of the parents. The health of the parents, the breeder, are they doing things with the dog or are they not doing things with the dog? You know, we want to make sure that it's all good. I don't want you guys to put all this money, hope, time, and tears and have a dog who is just terrible. So that wouldn't be fun at all. <laughs> nope, not at all. Um, we want it to be good. We want it to be super good and we want your dog to be super duper successful. Um, we don't want two years into it that you're like, crap, I have to wash out the dog and get a new one. So always think about that. How can you set your dog up for success? How can you make outings as successful as possible? Um, if something goes bad, what is your game plan? For example, my husband, when he's driving, he always has an out that he's thinking of. We're driving down the interstate. His out is, okay, I could pull off into the, the, um, the shoulder if I need to. We're at a stoplight and he's watching. Someone's coming up behind me too fast. If I need to, I can do this or do that. I'm walking a dog. If I see another dog coming, I can go up over here. He always is thinking that. And some are fantastic, you know, um, you know, because you need that. And sometimes there's just nothing else you can do about it. 
So the same thing's true with the dog stuff. If you're out with them and it starts thundering and your dog doesn't like thunder, you're like, crap, what do I do now? So that's where you need to have those backup plans too. So Jordan said, when selecting a service dog prospect, you're looking for a unicorn. Um, health testing, parents, and temperament is a thousand percent important. Yep, it is. So those are the three key things that we want to look at is health testing, uh, what the parents, their temperament, their health, and everything else is like, and the puppy's own temperament. Because in the litter, you're going to find a wide variety of differences that are going to run the gambit from shy, nervous, fearful, calm, and stable, super friendly, maybe a little hesitant, a little snarky. Uh, and, and you're trying to play the odds. So that's too where goldens are usually pretty easygoing dogs. Labs are usually pretty easygoing dogs. So I like goldens and labs. Um, they make great service dogs for a reason. There's a reason most programs use them. And I get people who ask, well, I want to use a fill in the blank of another breed. Look at what most people are doing. There's a reason why they're doing it, right? There's a reason for it. And um, it's because that's what works out the best, you know? Um, you're not going to do it, you know, I want this so it's going to happen. You know, and sometimes it can. Um, but but try to play the odds for success, not for that one in a million, because it's still going to be a one in a million. Uh, what I'll tell people is service dogs are basically like Olympic athletes. Not everyone's going to have the the desire, that burn, because it, it has to come from them as well to be an Olympic athlete. You know, I didn't. Um, but I want to be the best dog trainer I can be. But then my health also prohibits me doing some things. So it can be a little bit weird. Okay. Um, but definitely don't do it because you feel bad about the dog. Shh. Don't do it because you feel bad about the dog. Don't get this dog because, oh, he was the last one. Oh, I heard his parents were aggressive. Oh, but look at, he has a cute little spot on his forehead. Um, those aren't the right reasons if that's your primary reason for getting a dog, especially if it's, well, his, his mom was shy, nervous, fearful. His dad was aggressive. Like run away, run fast, run far. Do not get that dog. Uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be good. It's not what you want. It's not what you need. It's a pet or as a service dog. Why would you want that? And I've had people like, oh, I just felt bad for him. Uh, you know, the owners were stupid and the dog was snarky and aggressive and I couldn't get near the parents because they were so aggressive, but I took them anyway. Huge liability. Huge. Um, okay, we got a question here from Michelle. Can Karen Terriers be medical alert dogs? I mean, any dog can be a medical alert dog. I mean, heck, probably you can get a pug or a Frenchie who can do it too. Would you? Would I? know? they're Terriers. Their first thing is going to be chasing after things and barking. Then um, that's true of most terriers. So um, you want a medical alert dog, get a Cairn Terrier. Because that's a little Toto from um, the Wizard of Oz. That's that dog. Um, play the odds. So if you want medical alert dogs, get a dog with a good sniffer on them. Like a golden or a lab. If you want a small dog to do it, you know, I'm sure we can think of some. You know, um, well, you know, we've worked with small breeds before, but you can also, you know, depending, get a smaller standard size poodle. Don't get a toy, don't get a mini, don't get a whatever. Get a smaller standard size poodle. Because they can be small. Roma's, I think, around 40 pounds, isn't she? 
and you know she's a lightweight or candy my doberman my huge doberman's only 58 pounds uh larissa says volhard testing was great with thin he has stayed true to being what his test results were. Mind you, his parents were amazing, and so is the breeder, but as an individual, he rocks. He really does. I like him. I look forward to seeing him, because I know that you you have scheduled to come on out, so I can't wait to see him again. Um, and that's where, too, I like working with my owners, because I know them from puppyhood on up. So there's questions, there's things that happen, there's things we can work on before they become an issue. Um, but, you know, they have that peace of mind of knowing that if there is an issue, I'm here for them, which is always good. Uh, Django. Django is 19 weeks old. Just because, like I said, I know because of this. He's about four and a half months old now. Um, he's doing fantastic. He actually, milestone, last night he slept not in his crate. He slept on a place right by my bed and Gypsy slept on the floor beside him. So now we need to bring the bigger place in here tonight so they can both sleep on place. But he was very antsy and didn't want to calm down. So he was pacing. He was trying to get up into bed, and the bed's too tall for him to get up on. So he had his little paws up, and he was trying to get up so bad, and he couldn't. And uh, he paced, and he tried to do that. And then he finally laid down and went to sleep, and he slept the whole night on place. Um, Rich left the door open because we have that doggy door. So he left the door, the main door open, and then the screen door, or the storm door has a doggy door built in uh, until about... I think I woke up at two or three in the morning and I shut it until about seven when he opened it up again, just in case he had to go outside and pee. There was no accidents through the night. So I was very happy about that. Uh, usually I don't recommend the dog sleep outside of the crate at night until they're about six months old. But really, I think the last three weeks he's had two accidents. You know, want to know when they were? They were when we had clients over. And so I crated him back here in the bedroom in his crate. Maybe had another dog in here with him but he peed in his crate. Now, if I crate him in the dog room with the other dogs, he goes in Alcatraz as his jail in there and we have toys in there for him and stuff. But if I crate him in there with the other dogs, even if I crate him in there for three hours or, or more, he will not have a pee issue. But if I crate him back here for an hour on his own, he will have, even with the other dogs back here, he will have a pee issue. What the heck? But it's something we figured out. But he doesn't have accidents in the house. He used to go to Luke's room and pee and poop, which did not make Luke happy at all. Didn't make me happy because Luke's the only carpeting in the house. Um, so we we watch him now. But I was really, really, really happy about that. So we're going to see how he does. And then we're going to bring back a bigger crate. And we're going to try to get Candy back here in a crate at night to sleep with the pack to get her integrated into the household more. Because there's only so long that the dogs can be in a boot camp situation. Um so we're trying to get her out more for candy. So she, uh, we're tethering her to us, you know, uh, which means she's attached, her collar's on, leash is attached to it. And I have the other end of the leash or Rich does or Luke does. So, you know, so we have that and, and we really want to do that. Um, but like I said, it is a gradual step. So he won't be left unattended while we're gone, probably until he's around a year old. If we leave him here, uh, Rich and I had a bunch of errands to do yesterday over in Leesburg and Lady Lake and we had like five different stores we had to stop at, but all of them were really quick. So instead of bringing a service dog with the pavement being hot and everything, we just left all the dogs here and we didn't know how big a stuff we were going to get or anything either. So we left the dogs here and him and I went and I left Luke here and Django was here and Django did great. You know, I was really happy. Um, but his collar came off his $800 chameleon three came off of him. And I come home and I'm like, where's his e-collar at? Cause I left and it was on him. And Luke's like, I don't know. 
and the downpour had started outside and he had access to the outside because of the doggy doors. And I'm like, it's an 800 dollar collar. We need to find it now. And so Luke looks around the house and he's like, I don't know where it is. I don't see it. So I'm thinking to myself, how can we figure out where the collar is? With the remote, you can turn it on to um, a, a tone and then it'll turn the e-collar itself will tone. So I'm like, okay. So we, I turned it on to tone and I, I could hear it. So I knew it was in the house. So I had him go around the house and scavenger hunt and find it. And he found it, it was back here in the bedroom by the rocking chair. But uh, what had happened was Gypsy will pull the cord sometimes. So she pulled a cord loose and somehow he got loose of it. It has not happened since we've had it on him, but it happened whenever we were gone. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And we're just like, and why is he wearing the expensive one again? Sorry. Um, but yeah, so we did that yesterday. Um, so he was here with Luke outside of his crate and he did really good on um, yesterday. And then on Saturday we did group class. So he got to help out in group class again. Then afterwards we did um, a semi-private for some of the service puppies. Um, and that did really well. We had a couple evals. We had a couple other things. Like Saturday was a busy day with things, um, but it worked out really nicely and he did super amazing. Um, when he was done with group, I sent him in with Rich and Rich put him in his crate and he did his crate. And he did super great in there. Not a problem at all. Um, and that makes me, like I said, that makes me very happy whenever that happens because he's a neat dog and I want him to do super good. Otherwise, he's eating a lot. He had two breakfasts yesterday. He had breakfast in 11 Z's. Um, he's, we're working for it as much as possible, but he can't work for all of it. He'll work and work, and then I'm like, here, you get it all. Um, health stuff-wise for me, it's a little weird right now. Um, but the nice thing is I'm not wearing it right now, but I've got my Apple Watch, and it has the EKG thing. So I've been um, EKGing it, ECGing it a lot, um, electrocardiogramming it. So whenever I see my doctor, I think I see her in August, I can say here, this is what happens whenever I get wonky. Um, so I'll try to do it sometimes whenever it's good and sometimes whenever I'm bad. And, um, and it's nice to be able to have that tool at my disposal. So yay for technology, right? Yay. Um, but yeah, so what are we looking at for Django? He is working on his sit down stand, getting those really good. I need to work on place with him. I want him to have a really good place um, and go to place and stay on place. So that's going to be the next thing that we work on with him as well. But again, he's four and a half months old and I have time, I have plenty of time. Um, we're working on stand so I can brace both with him and candy. He's getting so big. Um, so, but yeah, so we're working with everybody. Um, we still want to do the online courses. We need to redo all the videos on there. Not all of them, but probably most of them. Um, but we have been so busy all year that we have not had time to. So I was thinking maybe in uh, whenever it cools down a little bit, because I like to do the videos outside because it's much better to look behind me and see trees than, you know, bookcase and wall. Uh, so whenever it cools down, we'll probably block off a couple weeks and just get them all done. You know, because it probably won't take that long if we just do this and nothing else. Because uh, then we have to upload everything. Now I am working on the new gluten. Um, we had a, the client came in today for her second session. Uh, she's doing fantastic. Her dog was doing much better than we were anticipating. So I was so happy about that. We showed her the second and third step. So hopefully she can get both of those done. Talked a little bit about the fourth step. Um, and what we're doing is we're videotaping it so we can upload it. And then Peach, who's in right now, we're also doing him for gluten and uploading those as well. So we're going to have plenty for gluten alert and allergen alert. 
uh, on the online course. So it's going to be pretty amazing to have all of that information on there. Um, we have that. So yeah, so he was doing super amazing. Peach is doing super amazing with it. And uh, that makes me very happy. Um, you know, it's always good whenever things are just rocking away, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing. And we are getting new content. So that makes just, just makes me happy. But um, Shira says, I've done that. The doctor can't seem to replicate it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, they've done the EKG and we know it's not epilepsy, but it's, it's not fun. You know, I want my Dobie pup, she says, to alert for gluten. So you can start, there's controversy about imprinting them as pups with it. Uh, you know, we can try and see or look into it a little bit more. Uh, you know, I was thinking of possibly doing them for a diabetic alert, but really if you do any sort of scent with them as puppies, you know, uh, for example, for these gluten dogs that we're working right now, we're not teaching them right now to alert to gluten. We're teaching them what the scent work is and how to do it. And what are we using for that? We're using coffee, coffee grounds, because it's a strong scent. It's a neutral scent to a degree. So, so that's what we're working on. Um, so we can work on different things before we get to the actual thing. And then if we're going to make a mistake, if the dog doesn't get it, if he struggles, we can try switching scents, but we're not on that final scent that they need to have but it exercises that sniffer muscle, okay? Which is pretty fun, pretty cool. Um, otherwise, yeah, yeah, things are just going really fantastic. Uh, you know, we have a bunch of, of uh, new clients who just joined in, so I'm super stoked. Uh, you know, it's always good helping, helping more people, pets or service dogs. So I love that. Um, you know, it's, it's just so, I love what I do. And I'm glad I don't have to deal with you and aggression a lot because that's not what I love to do. And I also don't love to do a lot of house training because unless it's my dog, it's a pain. Uh, you know, and a lot of times people don't come to me until the dog's like eight months old and doesn't pee where they're supposed to. Uh, it's much easier to do that whenever you're a puppy, plus you get that bonding time together. So if you're having a problem with house training, we do have an online course for that. And I think we have it marked at like $25. It's super cheap. Um, but it's on house training. So maybe I'll do a webinar once on house training and get all of that information on it just so it's updated and new and then we'll have it and it'll be cool. And it'll be like a secret one for people. But, um, any questions anyone has, cause I am about ready to wrap this up. I've been a little out of it all day, been tired all day. So I took a nap before the client came out and Karen talked class. I just videotaped it and added my two cents. So it was really easy for me. Um, and then I had this and I'm just, I don't feel good. Um, and I told you it's the wonky time. I told you a couple weeks ago. And while I have good times, I also have bad times during it. And I think yesterday with driving around everywhere, it took a lot out of me, unfortunately, which isn't fun. But you know what I miss is I miss, so I kind of want to go back. <laughs> but I have to be content with Universal until August whenever I can go back to Disney. So that's okay. Maybe I'll talk Rich into doing that sometime this week. I know Luke wants to go. He still doesn't have his license. He'll be 18 next month and he doesn't have his driver's license. So I think we're going to try to do that tomorrow morning. I have to ask them if that's what they want to do is do the DMV. I think they open at eight. Um, and then we have to get, did you guys know on your license, if there's a gold star on it, that's good. If it doesn't have a gold star, you need that, or you're not going to be able to board airplanes next year or in 20, yeah, well, 2020, yeah, which is next year. So we need to do that. Now, we have our passports we just got, so we can board with that, but we also need to upgrade our licenses to these licenses with gold stars. I had no idea until we were in there 
like a month or so ago to get when we got the passports and we were trying to get Luke his license and they're like, well, you need to take the test. And he's like, well, then I'll retake the test because he had taken it online like a year ago. They're like, well, we don't offer it today. Well, when should we come in? Come in Wednesday morning. It's when we're the least busy. Okay. So tomorrow's Wednesday morning. So we'll see about that. Hope you feel better. Thank you guys. Yeah. Like I said, it happens. Um, yeah. I did not know that. So yeah, check your licenses, see if they have gold stars on them. And, uh, and if so, that's, that's what you need. Um, or they're not going to allow that on for flying. Yeah. Super fun, right? Let's come up with something else. Can I use the gold sticky star from like my teacher gave me? I don't think that would cut it. So yeah. So we need to update for Rich and I and Luke get his and then yeah, Luke license and our licenses. That's on my list. And then the Nipopo videos. So see, like I'm making progress on my list of things to do. And we need to get pictures of some of the service dogs that we have in and that we're working with for the website. So if you check out our website, dreamk9.com, underneath the service dogs, it should be like past dogs trained or dogs we trained or something. You should see your dog if you're one of our people. If not, send me a pretty picture of your dog along with the name and what they're trained for. And I'm happy to add them um, because I want to try to keep uh you know keep them up there i think it's fun i like doing them and it's pretty so pretty colors are always good uh, so anyway i will talk to you guys next week let me know if you have any questions you can find us at how to train your service dog uh, online discussion group on facebook that's our free site uh, so you can talk about this episode or any other episode or other topics related to service dogs and how to train them or life in general and uh, we also have our private facebook group which is uh how to train your service dog online members only and that's for people who have that online course so if you have the online course for service dogs the thousand dollar online course you can have access to that you have to um put down that you want to join it i can't give that to you unless we're friends and i can add you to it but it's still weird for me to add people to it it's just much easier for you to try to add yourself um we have that we have our dream dog central florida dog training facebook group or facebook page um so yeah we're there and then like i said group classes this week Again, it's going to be Saturday at 9, providing it's not a torrential downpour. So we've been lucky lately. Fingers crossed that that luck holds out. And then next Saturday, um, what's that, the 20th, um, we're doing group class that Sunday, the 21st, because Gypsy has her eye and heart testing in Ocala um, at the um, at something there. So that's the last testing that she needs. Um, we got back. Um, that she has her, you know, her prelims that she passed. Her elbows are normal and her hips are fair. So that works. Uh, so, yay, I'm excited. Uh, you know, one step closer to breeding those awesome service puppies with Aiden, which is She-Ra's boy. So if you guys are like, who's her baby daddy going to be? That's She-Ra. Click on her in the comments and look at pictures of Aiden. He's very cute. But that's who we're looking at for uh, a baby daddy. Uh, Loki does not have the full registration, so um, we could still breed, but we couldn't register the puppies, and we want to be able to do that. Uh, but that, and then uh, Roma, we're looking at possibly in the spring. She In March, she turns, February, March, she turns um, two, so she'll have to get her health testing, and we need to find her a baby daddy, too. Um, and then Candy, I don't know if we'll do her this winter. I think she might be starting to come into heat. Her back end's getting a little puckered. Um, so I have to keep a watch on that. It's really easy to tell on the smooth coats when they come into heat. Um, it's harder on the fluffer nutters like Gypsy. But, but yeah, so we, we, we'll be we Poppy Palooza, um, you know, come fall until spring. 
which will be fun if we breed candy too. Um, you know, we don't wait until next summer to do her. So it depends partially on when Gypsy comes into heat and when Candy comes into heat and how much we like having puppies. <laughs> we might hate it. We might love it, decide this is all we want to do. I doubt it. I don't see that ever happening. But again, you got to look at both sides of things, right? Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. You definitely want a Roma or a Gypsy puppy, right? Yeah. Well, you know what, Shane? I had people who were like, are you going to breed them together? I'm like, they're both girls. It doesn't work that way. Um, to get puppies, you know. Um, but yeah, so Roma, we're looking, we'd like to do a poodle. Um, color wise, that's where it gets a little funky, you know, based on the color that you want to have come out. Um, so uh, her owner, Carolyn, was saying she'd really like to do a red. Um, so she gets a red poodle out of it as well. Um, and then there's different, like, there's a, if you Google poodle color breeding, um, you can look at it and it says, you know, like, don't you, we can't breed her to like a blue because it's a fading color and it'll fade her coat. Um, but like a black, you could breed it and it'll like get a better coat. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like it's like with the goats, whenever they have babies, I'm like, what are you going to make for me now? Uh, you know, you kind of put them to what comes out. Uh, yeah. Oh Lord. Right. Yeah. People can be really funny about things. Uh, but yeah, and that's, we have Django. We don't plan on breeding any of them to Django because, you know, Malinois. Hey, stop doing that. He has the place turned upside down and he's trying to untie it with the shoestring. No. What are you doing? I think he wants to flip it right side up and he doesn't know how. So I'm going to go sign off here, guys. I will catch you guys on the flip side in the Facebook group called How to Train Your Service Dog um, online discussion group and just generally around, okay? See you later.